Burger's got cancer, for God's sake. <laughs> oh, I'm joined by Josh and uh, Harry. Crikey, mate! <laughs> Hello. I'm not going to explain that. Right, today we'll be talking about the grind set, uh, our new best buds, and uh, how not well, how not to get a girl. How not to get the girl, I yes. changed the how name of my segment since then, so, you know, it's, it's, what's it's, it now? it's now a completely avoidable problem. Ah, right, sorry. Okay, that's a bit more um, broad. Yeah, yes. broad. I was concerned with Tagger. Anyway, we have some announcements to make, at least one of them, which is that um, it's Friday, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. Friday. So, <laughs> so uh, after this... Do you know what the date is? It's no. The, go on, Callum. One of them. Is it still February? Did you even know that it was February to begin with? It's uh, winter. So if you want to come not and join anymore. us... Is it not? Are we well, still this is contentious. It depends who you ask. I would say no. I'd say yeah. this is the start of spring. Oh, it's March. It's not February. But what, what's the day in right. March? Whatever. Anyway, today, I today is the day. To, I was trying to lead a it's horse It's the 1st of March, 2024. <laughs> I don't believe you. So today we'll be doing Lads Hour because it's Friday and uh, we'll be doing it at 3 p.m. UK time. So after this, go and get some biscuits and... Um, Beers, maybe? Uh, just biscuits. I'll be running it so it'll be good. <laughs> I don't know why I looked at you, Callum. I'm sorry. Okay. Gonna, and, uh, what, 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 what are we figuring out? We're figuring so, out all dogs gay, all cats lesbian. So the, the, the premise is that there was a Czech president who said random inanimate objects were left or right wing. We're trying to figure out what objects are left and right wing and providing reasons. So the examples on the thumbnail, you know, dogs are right wing, cats left wing, um, bicycles are left wing, cars are right wing, steak, avocado and toast, you know. Those are the easy ones. We're going to get a bit more high level. I would actually say there's a good argument for cars and bicycles the other way around because of uh, fitness and exercise being right wing See. and and this is why you're on because you're laziness being you're a very left mud. wing that's what you are <laughs> i think you should get into shape josh i am a shape just so just because it's round it doesn't rotund mean it's a shape. shape there we are <laughs> thank you john um, i also have another announcement to make which i didn't load up because uh, i forgot so there we are. It's this. Oh, you see this website. That this you're podcast on. that you're actually watching right now. Um, Whoa. Below it, there's another one of them reviews where you, you go and ask us, well, we, t- we ask you, what do you think of Sarah Garvey's... Uh, Would uh, you like time? more black nationalists to give Nation of Islam takes on the podcast? <laughs> well, yeah, so go and give us your opinion. You can, you I, rate I've it. been holding them back myself. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Under his tie, not many know this, he's got an Africa pendant. Yes, but there's I'm, a, I'm secretly black. There's a question there. Go and put in whether or not, uh, well, what kind of tier you are, or if not, and then what your opinions are, and, and such uh, answers. And I won't fill that in, because I accidentally biased the results last time, so I'm not doing that. <laughs> So there we are. Rigging the election, Callum. Yeah, I love riggers. So, <laughs> so uh, do go and check that out. That's that's a joke. <laughs> Calm down. But anyway, we uh, we shall get into the news, which is um, <laughs> it's a hell of a news cycle today. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the grind set because someone has been on a grind, and that grind has been uh, George Galloway. Now, George, I uh, was corrected this morning, is a Scot. Yes. Damn dirty Scot. But his, look at me. What you're you're a that. Scot, aren't you? You've got some Scot in you too. But, yeah, his, but his, one mother, his mother is a Mick. Oh my, just like you. So, okay. so anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's nothing wrong with that necessarily, but uh, both of his parents are commies. And so they raised up a beautiful boy and he has gone on to run in the election in Rochdale. Now, here is the ONS data for Rochdale, if you're interested. Uh, the constituency is more focused on not on this part, which is like 89% white British, it's over here, where it's more like 20, 15. 
Wow, then, that's quite low, isn't it? Like, there's a lot of variation there. It's basically sort of ghettoized. We've got to remember as well with every single day, these figures become more and more out of date. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, there's 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 basically two nations in Rochdale. There's the the center of town and then the countryside. So that's the constituency. And he ran, and the news is he won. <laughs> Don't sound too happy about it. Well, I'm surprised. By a decent yeah. margin as well. I'm, I'm quite surprised he won as well. I thought it would be Labour winning, to be honest. So the Workers' Party, George Galloway over here, he's got 39.7%. Now, for those who might, you know, in the European continent, this is really rare because we have first passed the post. So this never happens. And then he ran at a by-election and has done it. The, and he got double the votes of the next best person as well. And yes, the Workers' Party is what it sounds like, by the way, just to be clear. So the next guy was independent. He was basically like, I'll fix the potholes and open the fridge. And he got 21%. Open the fridge? Yep. You know, for all the boys. And then uh, the next people, as you can see here, they don't even get portraits for some reason. Because nobody cares. They've been unpersoned. <laughs> Not even the lonely people that are Wikipedia editors bothered to give this man here <laughs> an image. He's so transparent. It's rare for a politician. But the big story being, of course, you can see Bad here. Joke of the day. 12% for the Conservatives and 7% for Labour there. But not only is it a massive drop-off for them, we'll get to reform later and their, their problems, but just nobody turned up. I mean, genuinely, nobody gave a toss. It's also uh, worth me- mentioning as well, the second person was an independent. Yeah. Which is very rare, that they, they get 20% of the vote. So in a by-election, you expect there to be a lower turnout. There was. It's about 40%, according to this. The big story being, not only is George Galloway one, which um, we're going to talk about him in a minute in detail, of course, because uh, he's, he's a hell of a character for people who don't know, if, if nothing else. Let's try and be neutral about that. But then you've got the independent, and then you've got the, the establishment here, the two main parties who managed to muster in their infinite wisdom, bugger all, about 5,000 votes in a constituency of 75,000 people who could vote, roughly. About 8% of the public in this place bothered to vote for the establishment. That's how popular they are. That's amazing. It's a little bit of a silver lining, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah. I mean, a bunch of the established, well, not a bunch of the public also decided to vote for George Galloway. Which, That's um, uh, <laughs> a black cloud to that silver lining. There's a whole other circumstance. And there's some weirdness going on, of course, because there was an election in 2019. And as you can see, there was pretty normal stuff going on there. Uh, we'll talk about those turnouts in a bit. But this is a by-election. So, of course, the Monster Raving Looney Party turned up, etc. You know, three independents there. One of those independents was campaigning on Hey, you remember how Rochdale is famous for grooming gangs? Maybe we should stop that. We didn't get that much, which is very annoying. But there we are. So that's 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 the results. Just to lay out, that's that's the figures. Okay. Now we're going to get to George. Now there are many people I don't know. Or I assume won't know George. George is a funny, funny man. Um, he likes to be well, about as extreme as you can in a lot of circumstances. Uh, here he is, uh, hugging with the leader of Hamas at the time this was taken. Uh, before the newest part of the conflict, of course. It's the nickname Gaza Galloway for good reason, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, here as well, this is footage of him in, uh, well, Iraq, uh, meeting with Saddam Hussein and his cabinet to discuss various things. And he was a, a massive advocate against the war, which is one thing. And then he also did a lot of supporting of Saddam Hussein, which is <laughs> another thing <laughs> at that time period. Well, wasn't Hussein a socialist? Uh, he was a Baathist, which... Um, it's a particular form of it. It's Arab fascism, so yes. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So there's, there's that, which is another thing. And most people, I, when they talk about George, will, will literally sort of leave it at this, where you know, he's a bad guy, he meets with bad people, and that's the end of the discussion, which I can find sympathy with. But there's, there's more to George, of course, than this. 
And his history is amazing, if nothing else, if, if not just because of what the hell am I looking at currently? Like, sincerely, what, what, what the bugger? <laughs> it's just weird. So, real quick, down memory lane. What, what, what did they talk about? What was the conversation going on there? I don't know the specifics, actually, but it's not that he was paid in oil, if we can make that perfectly clear, because he ended up going before the Supreme, uh, what was it, the, the Senate, to argue about this, and it was, it was just bollocks. So, it was that. But um, George's history. Now, as I mentioned, George raised by uh, Scott and Mick. Uh, both Marxists, though. That's the important bit. Point, of course, but him being Scottish and being raised in that environment, of course, being a Marxist, the very anti-English. Um, well, he joined the Labour Party at 13. Off not, a bad start. Yeah, you're not actually allowed to do that. I mean, I know the Labour Party are all groomers, but <laughs> yeah, you're meant to start at 15. <laughs> can you legally say that? Well, the, the, the Labour Party are all groomers? Yeah, I can say that. That's, that's, I respect it. Can't slander a party, so we can say whatever we want. They, um, they were, that's true, actually. The yeah. party itself touches kids. What, <laughs> literally, I can do what I want. <laughs> so there's that. Um, but anyway, he joins the party at 13, and then he becomes an MP at 33. So, you know, rising star. Uh, goes on to be an MP for quite a while. Talks about how he supported the Soviet Union throughout all of that in a few interviews, so that's mm. someone. Good judgment. Yep. Uh, typical Scottish Marxist, so there's that. Supports all the, the bad guys. But he has a lifelong reputation and an instinct, as, as he puts it himself, to support armed revolution where there is no alternative. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> debating about when there's no alternative, of that's, course. That's an important caveat there, isn't it? Is no alternative. Yeah. Hmm. People will disagree when that's the case. But the point being, he's, um, he's a pretty serious guy. Now, I don't agree with him, obviously. His political worldview is something I despise. But that's him. He's a Celtic Marxist who ended up becoming a member of parliament and used his time to orchestrate meetings and friendships with basically any enemy of the English, by the looks of it, or whatever perceived enemy of the English he could find. For what reason, I'm not really sure. He argues himself that it's anti-colonialism, so there's, you know, that's his viewpoint. So there's that. Um, he then ended up getting kicked out of the Labour Party because you know, he kind of considered them all Zionists, which, okay. <laughs> he found it's not unheard of, is it, in the Labour Party? Yeah. He founded his own party called Respect. Now, Respect... A really Islamo Labour, Islamo Socialist. I think was the term. Islamophilic. Yeah, it's the crossover nobody wanted. But it's literally socialist leftism and um, I love Islam, and it's a really weird mix, one that wouldn't make sense anywhere except the West. And so that's that's what he did. Can you just do something for me very quickly? Just deputy. On there, there's a blue name, Chris Williamson. Just hover over that for me. <laughs> That's okay. not our Chris Williamson. Not that one. All <laughs> right. Not modern wisdom. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. But he went on to found uh, the Respect Party, as you can see here, and uh, became an MP under that by running in various Islamic city centers, is, is how I'm going to put it, and was an MP for a while until 2016, at which point he uh, was out of there. He was, he was ousted by Naz Shah. Oof. Uh, it's got a sting. Also an Islamo leftist who's most well-known for saying that the grooming gangs should shut their mouths. It's well, it's the people complaining about them rather than the grooming gangs themselves. Ah, right. But, yeah. yeah, she retweeted Owen Jones to be... To be uh, a, a parody Joe, Owen Jones account. Yeah, Owen Jones would never tweet that. <laughs> anyway, so there's, um, there's that. And then ever since, he's been trying to get back into politics. So it's been about eight years, right? And that's his, his travel. And you may remember, we spoke about him before because he ran in Batley and Spen, a place you don't care about. Well, you, you should care about because that was where the teacher got driven out of the school, right? 
Unless I'm stealing your thunder here. I don't know if you're getting onto that. Exactly. But the story was suppressed. It was something the British elite didn't want to speak about and don't, don't mention it. Because as you can see here, this is uh, Central Valley, where it gets as high. I think that was 88% Muslim in a minute. Jesus. 89. 89. So he's got a particular wow. constituency that he likes to go for. Yeah, that's his target audience. That is ridiculous. Jesus, 91%. How Islamic that is. <laughs> oh. So that's Batley. And, and Batley is famous because it had a teacher, I believe if I'm getting this correct, showed an image of Muhammad to make the point about censorship and, and what's allowed in religions. And as a result, is still fearing for his life living in hiding. This is almost three years to the day, I, I heard. So over three years, he's still living in hiding. Now, George ran here because of, well, that. Literally, this is his butter and bread to try and win. What was, what was the campaign promise? Don't worry, lads, we'll track him down. <laughs> uh, sadly, uh, not sadly, but thankfully not. Uh, but, there were, but there wasn't really much going on in that election. It was weird. It was unusual. Everyone was like, is George actually going to win and get back into Parliament and do his, his really weird worldview and stuff? But what happened is that the main people who stole the show were the Labour Party because they ran anti-Hindu leaflets. <laughs> <laughs> Which, so this is... Why does this need to be an issue in England? So this is Boris Johnson has met Modi and the Labour Party printed these to give to everyone in the town to be like, look, he supports Modi, vote Labour. Silent on human rights abuses in Kashmir. It's almost like we're not in any way involved. I mean, yeah. I and, to defend Boris Johnson, but... But it, but it was a nice view into the future of British politics, wasn't it? This is how things will be discussed in these areas. Foreign bollocks. And he ran, and he came third. So as you can see here, the Guardian was reporting at the time, Muslim voters feel unprecedented discontent with the Labour Party. And this was, of course, before the war in Palestine. So George came third on 22% of the vote in this place. And now there's been a war in Palestine. He ran in Rochdale. Getting back to Rochdale here. This might explain a thing or two mm. as to how he managed to get that percentage and those number of votes. But there's a bigger story here and one that I think will probably be ignored if we don't go over it. As you can see in this previous election, there's 14,800 people and 3,800 that voted for the Conservatives and the Brexit Party. Now, the Conservatives, of course, not really right-wing in the slightest, but at that time, it was perceived that Boris Johnson was a patriot and going to do the right thing and get Brexit done. Before he liberalized our immigration laws even further. Stabbed the country in the back, yeah. So I think we can sort of accurately say that there's about, I mean, what, what is that? About 18,000 right-wing potential voters there. Maybe a little bit lower because the Tory boys need to execute them from the political environment. <laughs> not literally. <Good> save. <laughs> so they, they exist. There's that, that, that block. And there's about 75,000 people who have the vote in the Rochdale constituency. So when you look at these numbers, it gets rather odd because, of course, if about 17,000 right-wingers had come out and voted for a single right-wing party, they would have won by, by a lot. And they didn't because they're not interested in voting. Because why would you look at the state of the... British political system. And the party that's positioning itself as an alternative to the Conservatives, that being reform, did not get a particularly... Ex they, got, they got less of a turnout, uh, according to this, as minus 1.9 to last time. They actually well, lost that was votes. the Brexit party last time. Ah, uh, yes, yes. They got 3,000 uh, on the Brexit It would party. be an equivalent sort of voter block, I imagine. Yes. Which is extremely disappointing. I mean, we, this is where we should dwell on, on the fact of what the hell reform. I'm sorry, it's embarrassing that your main opponent, the, the, the right-wing government, is so unbelievably unpopular. And this is where you sit in a place like this. Now, we have some insight into why this is so bad, which is um, this guy, the, the candidate himself, is, is just awful. Well, I, I, I don't know I, what they I were noticed, thinking. 
Him and Galloway are the only one with clickable names on Wikipedia. And the rest of them... Both of them are for, <laughs> for not good reasons. Oh, okay. I, I'm not too familiar with this guy. So, I mean, George is there because of his long history, which we're so, we sort of just went through. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, now, this is the reform candidate. Now, he used to be a Labour MP. So that's, oh, that's why great. he was picked. He used to be the Rochdale Labour MP. So the people at reform, whoever's pulling the strings at the top, made this decision and from a management leader I've just seen why he was suspended from the party yes he was suspended from the party in 2015 after it emerged that he had expla- exchanged explicit messages with a 17 year old girl um, reform what the hell this was then I think is the case that it was overturned so he's not guilty of this crime it wasn't taken all that way he's not been found guilty of that if in other legal reasons we should lay that out so there's that but why just why Pick Nigel Farage, pick anyone, literally, who cares? Reform well, <laughs> have been on a spree of shooting themselves in the foot. Not only are they fielding this ex-Labour guy who has a questionable history, but that didn't they turn down two Conservative Party defectors recently that are actually in Parliament at the minute that could buy them some influence? And well, it's like, no. They've also had people throwing excellent campaign posters at them saying, here, run with this, and then not doing it. It's really weird. I don't know what's going on with the leadership of Reform, but it's it's not. Um, effective, if nothing else. I mean, even if we take this in its singularity, you, you lost a percentage of the vote and votes. It's not good. Bad news. So really need to take that on board for those guys. But there we are. The big story being, the right wing could actually even win in a place like Rochdale. I mean, for Christ's sake, the only reason you know it is because of the grooming gangs. But we don't because people aren't turning up the vote because of just depression mm-hmm. with uh, the <laughs> options. It is also worth mentioning as well that by-elections tend to have a lower turnout, but even amongst the actual turnout, it seems like the right, as you say, mm. have just stayed at home. There's another interesting fact in this, because of course, as you can see, George Galloway's strategy is to run on a communist basis or socialist and mix that with international Islam. So his main voting block, his massive strategy was to get the Muslims on the side and get out and vote for me and I will win because they have such massive in-group preference that they will just stick together. I'm sure we'll go over it, but from what I've seen from online, he was campaigning very, very hard on the Gaza issue and also seemed to have two separate campaign tactics that he was going by. Communism for the, Islamism for the also. Yes, we, we will. And I, I just want to mention the mathematics here real quick, because it's just really weird. So we did some digging and tried to estimate these. So there's about 22,000 Muslim votes in this constituency of about 75,000 people, something like that. And even then, George Galloway only got 12,000 votes. They're not all going to be Muslims. A lot of them are going to be leftists who left the Labour Party because, um, in their words, it's a Zionist party now. Even when they run Azhar Ali. Okay, sure. <laughs> so let's, let's keep that there. So let's go and check out what he was up to, because you're quite right. This is the meat of the issue. Well, this is his opposition. This is the Labour candidate that Absol from earlier. Uh, this is him speaking in foreign. To oh, his yeah, he had an interpreter, didn't he? He was talking in an Urdu or something. Who cares? Didn't he get suspended from the Labour Party and he ran under Labour anyway as well? Yeah, he was then kicked out because he did some anti-Israel stuff in his statements. And um, <laughs> Who'd have thought? Yeah, this was interpreted as anti-Semitic, so the party kicked him out because um, we're trying to get rid of that Corbyn stench. And, and he went, <laughs> screw you, I'm staying anyway. And they didn't kick him out of the party properly because he's still their candidate, so there's, there's that. But even with that, even with a, a foreign guy with a foreign name speaking foreign, talking about how he hates Israel, destroyed, utterly destroyed by George Galloway. I mean, losing, what was it, 40% of the vote there mm. in that position. That's that mad, massive well, there's, there's, a, there's a lot to be said for uh, charisma and powerful rhetoric. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, from what I can tell from this guy, he's not exactly jumping out the screen, grabbing my attention. I think also the party leader has a very important effect on how people vote in British elections. And the fact that Keir Starmer um, has connections to the um, Jewish world might put off Muslims. What, you mean his wife? Yes. Yeah. Wife and kids. Yes. And you're not joking, yeah. because we're now going to go through George Galloway's leaflets, which, uh, oh God. So this is um, the first one here, which he writes, of course, to the people of Rochdale about the important local matters such as Gaza. Uh, the people of Gaza don't have a vote in this election. You do. Okay, good tagline. Now, this election is a straight choice between George, who will fight for Palestine, and the people of Rochdale. They're second, though. And Keir Starmer, who will fight for Israel. And you're right to point out, a lot of the local chatter and a lot of the WhatsApp group chats in these places keep getting leaked that they're just like, did you know he's got a Jewish wife? And that's about it. That's about all it takes for converting. Um, here's why, why, you... why, does, why does it have to be that this is the issue that all of British politics now revolves around? The Israel-Gaza stuff should be none of our business. Well, you know, it... We're not involved in any way, shape, or form. It's only the imported foreigners that care and leftists who may as well be foreigners. Well, that's the thing, because if you're a nationalist, you care about your own issues, your own future, your self-determination, things like this. Not foreign self-determination? You don't even have to be an explicit nationalist. You just need to be a normal person. It's like, well... Well, a normal person is a nationalist. All all of these people that he's appealing to are nationalists of one form or another. At least they recognize that they belong to a particular group whose interests are being catered to when they receive this leaflet through the door. Because that's the thing. You can trust foreigners to actually do the right thing, but for their own people. Crop that. So, well, this is true. <laughs> you know, if you go and play Rome Total War and you get uh, one of the diplomats, one of the traits they get is foreign diplomat. Word for word, that's where I stole that phrase. So there we are. <laughs> Getting to those two leaflets, though, that you mentioned. This is, this, this is evil genius. This is where I'm just like, this is the grind set. This, this, this motherfucker, he, grinding is all he's been doing. And it's... I can't even hate the player at this point, I'll be honest, even though disagree on the politics. So look at this. This is the, the, the letter he sent out to English constituents. George Galloway for Rochdale. I, uh, first and foremost, believe in Britain. He's capitalized as bold in yep. the parts. I believe in family. I believe in men and women. God created everything in pairs. I have no dif- difficulty in defining what a woman is. You know what? This guy's kind of jumping out at me. Finally, <laughs> we're returning to sensible politics. This bit's important. I believe in law and order. And he goes on to say, and I will expose the cover-up of crime. There will be no grooming gangs on my watch, even if I have to arrest them myself. I want to see that. <laughs> I want to see uh, G- Gentleman George Galloway jumping out in costume, fighting crime personally. Yeah. I don't know what his hat's called. It's got a specific name, but I want to see him like... Is it a trilby he's wearing? I think it's a trilby, but yeah, just he'll be there like a 1950s detective. Yeah, I'm on the case posing, with a magnifying glass. Posing as a young child to catch out the room. room God. <laughs> <laughs> he goes on to say, <laughs> It was me all along. Not it was me, George, George Galloway. Galloway. <laughs> this is how he's selling himself, right? So he goes on to say, I will fight for small business. And then he goes on to say, The above goals are reopen the maternity at A&E, you know, local staff, open air market, just like Burry. Secure the long-term future of Rochdale AFC. Bring back big names to our town centre like Primark. Oh, God, it's that bad, is it? True communist. And then the end of it, make Rochdale great again. Based. <laughs> right. This would be the most... Imagine that you've been living in Rochdale and you've been... It, 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 like, all you've been getting through the, uh, through the post, you're an Englishman, 
All you've been getting is the conservatives saying, we will fight for Israel. And then you get through the Labour also saying, we will fight for... And then you get this guy coming through like, make Rochdale great again. Brilliant. It would be a breath of fresh air coming through your post box, wouldn't it? Because remember, I mean, most people are normies. That's where that term comes from, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but then... But then, if you were a Muslim member of Rochdale, you got you didn't get this leaflet because you would just crumple that up. You got a different leaflet from George, which begins as follows: "Assalamu alaikum." <laughs> That's such a natural phrase coming from you, Callum. <laughs> to the voters of the Muslim faith in Rochdale, the last 130 days have been a shock to the Ummah to its core. The killing of thousands of brothers and sisters, our brothers, our brothers, our brothers, brothers and, sisters. and sisters in Gaza is a war crime. And must be uh, held to account. Oh, we're off to a good start then, aren't we? We'll get on to the the bold bits. I I get the impression he's not going to mention the grooming gangs because I imagine that that would be... uh, They might lose some votes. That's their favourite pastime up that way. Hey, Mo, he's talking about you. (laughs) George Galloway has fought for Muslims at home and abroad all my life and paid the price. It goes on the list here, Iraq and whatnot. If the Labour Party lose this by-election, Sir Keir Starmer could well be forced out as Labour leader. Get rid of that, Jew-loving. Uh, Keir Starmer <laughs> is a top supporter of Israel. Get him out. Uh, with your support on Thursday the 29th, and if God wills it... I'm oh, surprised he said God. Ish, inshallah, brothers. I will give 200 remaining days in Parliament to the service to the people of Rochdale as your MP. Great, great. You have a new co- unique opportunity to send Keir Starmer and the Labour Party a message. Stop supporting genocide. Stop supporting Israeli aggression and stand with Palestine. Together, we can send a message that is going to be heard from all four corners of the world, from northwest of England to Palestine. Ah, Wa- that famous alliance. Wassalam <laughs> <laughs> alaikum, George Galloway. That's amazing. This, Honestly, like you say, this is the grind set. This is... That's in the a grind. If, yeah. <laughs> if you're in a multi-ethnic constituency in a multi-ethnic society, at this point, this is good politics. He's playing both sides so he can come out on top. Yes. I mean, what else do you do? You if, if you can't if you can't play for just one side, play all of them at I, the same time. Honestly, George, if you're watching, I'm not trying to be rude. We disagree with everything, but hats off, particularly yours. But just <laughs> good lord, man. Like I am in, impressed. And, and there's some nuts, some real subtle things I didn't pick up on until after as well. Now, what do you notice? Can we please plot the difference? Can I just point out something as well? This person who's posted this in the first place, sad, mm. uh, Union Jack in the in the handle. Somebody responds, appeasement politics of the worst kind starts now with Rochdale. His response, what do you know about British politics? Yeah. I mean, this is British politics now, isn't it? You go, mm. on one side, I am a racist. On the other side, inshallah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'd vote for that. So anyway, you can see here, what's, what's the difference? Sincerely, boys, can you please spot the difference? Have you noticed what's not there? Well, this is the easiest case of spot the difference I've ever seen. No, 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 it's everything. not. No, 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 it's not. What's the difference? Come on. Come uh, on. There's a signature on the one with... Uh, His that's, name. That's for the Muslims, and there's not on the one... The white people, that's part more, of more it. More obvious. He it's also, this. Oh, yes. See this? On the Muslim one, he literally drew what you have to vote for. Oh, just in case. Just in case. For some reason. <laughs> so there we are. There's, I did wonder that. what that was. I, someone made that graphic design decision, presumably. So there we are. He, he must have signed off a, on it, because he must have signed off. Yeah, one for the whites, one for the browns. Why not? Yeah, it worked. Why is there a cog on it? I've never seen that in a ballot box. That's his uh, party logo. Oh, okay. That's, that's yeah, workers. Well, quickly in this off, we've just, um, uh, Reformer are quite upset, obviously. Now, Richard Tice here, he's got some sincere complaints that are true. I'm not trying to be dunking on him. 
I'm, I'm just saying you've done a very poor performance in terms of leadership. And this is uh, another one there where it just it hasn't worked. That's, that's just tough love. And you'll know that yourself. But you can see here, he mentions that this wasn't really a fair race. There's a lot of things that went badly, badly wrong for this to be a free and fair election. And he mentions here that they were subjected to death threats. True. Suffered racist vile abuse. True. For being the candidate, being a white man. They didn't attack him for grooming girls, allegedly. They weren't interested in that. That wasn't a point of attack. It was instead, you white devil was the phrase used. Uh, Bin refused entry to the hustings. That was true. That happened to him. And they kicked him off being a white man. Had to be relocated for his own safety. The team there. That's true. Suffered daily intimidation and slurs. Great. Yeah, that's, that's British elections. That's isn't, fantastic. Isn't British democracy just wonderful, isn't it? He goes on to say, in one incident, Reform UK business supporters were threatened with firebombs if they distributed our leaflets. Menacing behavior was a feature of the entire campaign, including outside polling stations on the day of the election itself. The ugliest of con- contests, we are also concerned about the sudden increase in the postal votes which jumped from 14,000 postal votes to 23,000 postal votes in a constituency which has less people voting than last time. One has I, to wonder, doesn't, <laughs> don't they? I mean, This is the root cause of every vote-rigging case we have in Britain. It's proven as well, YouTube. I'd be impressed if a, a relatively independent party like Galloway's were able to conduct such fortification. But then again, if he does have people on his side... So well, the two the, cases we know of sorry. are Birmingham and Tower Hamlets. Now, what did Birmingham and Tower Hamlets have in common? Who knows? But both of them turned up with literally carrier bags full of votes that they'd printed <laughs> at home and then were convicted of doing that. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Who knows? Anyway, I'll just end this off real quick. Um, yeah, some more complaining here about uh, some suspicions, but that's, that's nothing more than suspicions at this current moment. We at least know that guy turned out. Yeah, he did. But uh, this, you know, the response to this is, is interesting, if nothing else. Um, I suppose is where I'll end it off because, man, hell of an event. Don't know what he's going to do with that power. I respect the grind set. Disagree on literally everything, probably. It'd be interesting to talk to him if we could at some point because I just want to be like, <laughs> how do you sleep at night? But yeah, if the right literally came out to vote, they, look, they could have easily won. We're not even talking about the mass public coming out, just the people who voted in 2019 for one party. They could have won. So it's actually not over, boys. It is the case that the establishment has lost. They are over. But the rise of something else isn't out of the question. But I'll end this off with uh, just a good meme, because it's me. Yep. There we are. Two, four, six, eight, Northern English Caliphate. <laughs> so there we are. That's, that's what we'll be seeing in part. It's going to be the new national anthem soon enough. <laughs> Inshallah. <laughs> Let's go to the next one. Uh, I need... Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Yes. The so this actually quite nicely seeks straight into my segment, because basically everything that we were talking about there... Uh, has been a completely avoidable problem that was imported into this country, given that England, Britain as a whole, should not be a battleground for foreign politics, should not be a battleground for foreign political conflicts uh, like is happening over in the Middle East. But we have imported this whole thing over here, and it's actually driven people of European descent completely insane as well. Uh, I point to the podcast from yesterday because... I believe you uh, and Carl and uh, Sarah Garvey, that gentleman, uh, covered that, um, you know, the guy who set himself on fire and died screaming free Palestine. That was something you guys covered, right? Mm. And this was a white kid. I don't know his... Well, it was a man. He had a family. Yeah, a white man with a family, kids uh, who had 
gone, it was probably mentally ill anyway. I mean, judging by the Reddit posts that have been released and people have found, um, but it was driven over the brink, over the edge. This seemed to have been a very uh, random last minute decision from him because supposedly he was talking about Elden Ring DLC just a few weeks ago, so, which is not <laughs> out yet. So if he was He's looking excited to, too, no if, way. <laughs> if he was looking forward to that, <laughs> we have so much to live for. <laughs> it's going to be so good. Well, you know, and his children, his wife and children, maybe he had them to live for. The Elder Ring DLC is going to be better. But there seems to have been. Yeah, it's going to be so uh, straight fire, guys. Um, <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, so, but this seems to have been a complete snap decision on his part to just douse himself. Was it petrol he doused himself in and then set himself on fire screaming on camera? To which, as far as I can tell, the greater Islamic reaction to have been has been, okay, cool, bro. I saw some, some tweets from prominent Muslim accounts that were just like, well, he was still a kafir. So, you know, don't send him prayers because he's still going to hell. And can, can you imagine Netanyahu's response to this? I, I'm, I'm picturing in my head, you know, uh, George W. Bush, sir, a white boy has just set himself on fire for Palestine, then morphing into the Oppenheimer meme of, oh God, what have we done? Call off the attacks immediately. <laughs> we need to draw, pull, out of, uh, pull out of Gaza, boys. Mm. We can't have this go on anymore. No, obviously, nobody who's actually at the levers of power is going to care. But apparently, random guys in the US military care enough to set themselves on fire in gigantic symbolic gestures that I've seen some leftists coping over being, you guys just don't understand the sincerity. This was the most sincere act that any... Well, I suppose you have to be somewhat sincere to set yourself on fire, but there's better ways to send a message to people who Words. hate you um, and don't care what you do with yourself. Also, it's trying to channel this sort of powerful image from the Vietnam War of that... Um, the monk, Buddhist monk. The monk was, who was yeah. sat perfectly still rather than sort of dancing on the spot shouting Palestine, which is a far more poignant image because it shows the, con the strength of his conviction and faith to sit there burning alive perfectly still in meditation. That's why that image was powerful. It's not just because he set himself on fire. Also, there's the religious aspect of it, whereas this guy, I assume, was probably an atheist. So... There's not much more symbolic meaning to it. It's not like he converted right before it happened. He was just some random guy in the military doing that. It's just another case of leftism leading to sort of horrendous self-destruction. So the media firestorm that's been going on about this whole situation has been driving some people insane alongside the leftist indoctrination that people already experienced from the moment of their birth in some cases. It's also come over here as we cover constantly. There was the absolute clown show of Parliament deciding to have the walkout because they, the SNP brought to the table a debate on whether they should call for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza. And then the Conservatives turned around and said, no, 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 we need a humanitarian pause, not a ceasefire. At which point, Lord uh, Lindsay Hoyle decided to make a big fuss about it. They all walked out. And then they got pressured into it by a load of Islamists standing around outside of Westminster. What, what did the IDF say in response? Uh, I don't care, I believe, was the, <laughs> was the gist of it. Um, because as I pointed out when we covered this, what is the point of such a meaningless gesture? Britain doesn't have the power on the global stage to be able to force Israel to do basically anything. Well, it, neither side is particularly friendly to us. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, Israel, their last interaction with the British state was killing our soldiers. So. Yeah, and the only reason any of that was remotely necessary is because the SNP, Labour, and even the Conservatives have imported an enormous constituency 
of foreigners into the country who are going to start applying pressure to them. The only reason they went back to do it was the fact that there was the pressure put on them from this foreigner. So this was completely avoidable. Man setting himself on fire, completely avoidable. The media sent him insane, more so than he already was. This whole clown show with the UK Parliament showing themselves to be even more of a clown show than they already are, completely avoidable. We didn't need to do any of this. There's been more debates since then, and I thought it would be interesting to do a bit of an update on what's actually going on. So you can see uh, Parliament decided to have a wallow text. Yeah, not being rude, but this is not just a waste of pixels. It's a complete waste <laughs> of time. But there are some details from the opening statements that are relevant for what the UK is doing right now and what we're what we're trying to aim for in calling for a humanitarian pause, ceasefire, whatever you want to call it. I, I, sorry, I just can't get over the madness of thinking we can do anything. Yeah, are we going to enact economic sanctions on them? Well, even if we did, the US isn't. What are we doing? We, we, we send them a letter saying, please, BB, please, we're begging you. We'll set ourselves on fire if you don't. Please stop. And he goes, throw this in the shredder, please. Yeah. Uh, so, so they point out here they want the... In immediate humanitarian pause to allow for the safe release of hostages because Hamas supposedly still holds around 130 Israeli hostages after October 7th. They've got a few demands that they're going to be making here. Release of all hostages being held by Hamas, the removal of Hamas's capacity to launch attacks against Israel. So they're not just making demands on Israel, they're making demands on Hamas as well. They also don't care yeah, who what don't have to say. Yeah, who don't care. Um, Hamas no longer being in charge of Gaza. Please just remove yourselves from a government, please. That's that's the tactic we're going for. The formation of a new Palestinian government for the West Bank and Gaza, accompanied by an international support package, but don't worry, we'll give you money. And then immediate two-state solution, which is what this... The two-state solution has been something that has been suggested since 1947. Since... Don't worry. Since Israel was signed off on in the first place, it was like, okay, we'll give you a two-state solution. But we didn't have Mr. Andrew Mitchell at that point. Oh, thank God. Thank you, Mr. Andrew Mitchell. And we've we've been doing other things as well. Britain and Jordan airdropped, um, according to this, life-saving aid to a hospital in northern Gaza because there's still about 300,000 people in northern Gaza even after Israel uh, called on them to evacuate and pushed them down south. I think now they're in Rafa, which is the city on the Egyptian border. The airdrop provided four tons of vial supplies, including medicines, fuel, and food for hospital patients and staff. Over the weekend, uh, this most recent weekend, we also announced £4.25 million worth of new funding for the United Aid Nations Sexual and Reproductive Health Agency in response to an appeal for the occupied Palestinian territories. We also continue to urge Israel, please, pretty please, we're sending a strongly worded letter, lads, to limit its operations to military targets and avoid harming civilians and destroying homes. We have expressed our deep concern about the prospects and consequences of a military incursion into Rafa. More than half of Gaza's population are sheltering in the area, including more than 600,000 children, and they have nowhere to go. Because, of course, Egypt and Jordan, on either side of Israel, neither of them want to take in hundreds of thousands of Palestinian refugees. But Israel is pushing them to the point where they might have to try and cross the border if they're in Rafa, because it looks like they are trying to, well, they're, they're about to initiate uh, a military ground operation in Rafa as well, because they're saying we've pushed them all out of the north, and Hamas, we're finally getting them. We're finally digging through those tunnels. We found our tunnels. You know, they coincided with one another, and we're like, "Hey, you're not supposed to be down here. This is our tunnel." <laughs> <laughs> um, is that fact? It could be. Well, to be fair, if they know what they've got, a what are all these mattresses <laughs> doing down here? No. Um, 
They've got to know where the tunnels yeah. are. So in theory, yeah, they, they must... Know, they know where the tunnels are. They've been rooting out the tunnel systems, and they say that now Rafa in the su- southern part of Gaza is where um, Hamas has been pushed down to. So they say they're going to do a ground excursion, despite the fact that supposedly Rafa is supposed to be taking these people in, basically as refugees. So there's a lot of international discussion going on about the legality of that, saying, hey, you, you're probably going to end up killing hundreds of thousands of civilians and women and children doing this. Israel typically saying, we don't care. Just, we, we don't care. Give us the hostages then, is there? Yeah, there's, 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 there's nothing that you can do to stop us unless we get the hostages, and who knows if they're still alive at, at this point. Uh, the Middle East uh, latest from Sky from earlier today, the UN, that most effective of international bodies, has said we need to have an investigation because Israeli troops fired on Palestinians waiting for aid. Israel says, no, we didn't. There were a load of trucks that drove into the crowd and killed them that way. Uh, there's also key lines from the past 24 hours. It says here, U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin said more than 25,000 women and children have been killed in, by Israel in Gaza since the 7th of September. Pentagon contra- uh, contradicted that, saying, well, that's just the total number of Palestinian kills, not necessarily women and children, but there will be women and children included in that number. The U.N. investigators said they expect to receive materials from Israel related to its accusations that staff with the U.N. Palestinian Refugee Agency took part in the 7th of October attacks. Interesting, because some have suggested that it might have been some kind of false flag to justify a ground invasion of Gaza, but... There's that theory. Yeah, we'll... we'll Didn't s- a bunch of the UN also get caught out fighting for Hamas? Like, I read... <laughs> was it in shock? Was really? UN, um, yeah, there's this humanitarian aid uh, initiative. I'm, I'm getting this so wrong. There's going to be people who know way better. But there's this uh, part of the UN that's meant to be providing humanitarian aid. And it turned out a bunch of the members, like 70 of them or something, literally fought for Hamas. And some of them may have even fought at the seven... Uh, the was it October seventh attack? And it's just like okay, blimey! Like these are your employees. I, like half of the the West has pulled out of that particular aid program now because they well obviously yeah. don't want to be associated with that. There are there are some complaints going on there, and uh, yeah, so it's all it's all related to do with that. Joe Biden also was saying that a ceasefire will happen by Monday. He is then forgotten that he said that presumably and said that uh, well, well well let's not I be so sure about uh, that actually next Monday I meant the Monday after that what day is it actually specify which Monday it's like you that way Callum mm. no idea what day it is no idea where he is respect that what's going on that's the that's the, that's <laughs> you the and Irish grind set yeah you're, you're two peas <laughs> in a pod do you like ice cream Callum yeah who doesn't Hamas like ice cream it doesn't yeah. mean I'm a member of Hamas yeah it does you're no. basically I don't know basically Callum. Biden uh, and uh, can you guess, in, in response to all of the international pressure, in response to the UK Parliament having reams and reams of debate over this, can you guess what Netanyahu's response has been? <laughs> who cares? Yeah. Who, who cares? It's too early to know if the hostage, hostage deal will, uh, will happen, but the IDF will be going into Hamas, uh, into, uh, into Rafa to fight Hamas soon enough. That's what he's been saying. In a televised press conference, Netanyahu says he has secured freedom of operation for the IDF in Gaza, despite pressure from world leaders and world media that is unprecedented in the history of the state and that the campaign will continue until total victory. He says the pressure to halt the war against Hamas is growing, but he, he will resist it. Well, it's very clear as to why, because the rest of the world, outside of maybe the Middle East, has shown itself to be made of complete jelly. They have no spine, they have no political will, they don't enforce anything. And so he just goes, well, I'm the one with the actual willpower here. So if in a, in a battle of wills, yeah, the IDF, Netanyahu, they're going to prevail because he's up against 
Keir Starmer, Rishi Sunak, and Joe Biden. Ooh, the terrible trio. Can you imagine if they were the ones putting pressure on you? Oh, what am I going to do? A midget, a, a, a charisma vacuum, and a senile old man. What? <laughs> which one's which? <laughs> what are they expecting? Oh, Netanyahu, you're being very naughty. You well, better stop. There's also the fact that a lot of European countries are sort of preoccupied with Ukraine as well. You had Macron yeah. coming out talking about boots on the ground in Ukraine and then every country saying, shut up. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there are other things going on in the world. So Netanyahu knows that he can just get away with doing anything, really. He compares his resistance to international pressure to that of Prime Minister's David Ben-Gurion declaring independence, Levi Eshkol helming the Six-Day War, and Menachem Begin hitting uh, Iraq's nuclear reactor at Osirak. Despite international pressure to end the war before its aims are achieved, a Harvard-Harris poll this week found that 82% support for Israel among the US public. So this is what everyone actually, again, the grind set of Israel is just something to behold. Because that, that thing, like just going into another country and blowing up their nuclear program and then telling them we didn't do it. Yeah. To their face. There was also recently, according to this article, there was a, a Knesset vote, so within his own parliament, uh, voting against unilateral Palestinian statehood backed by 99 MKs. The balls but if, on them. But if, like, but if Andrew Mitchell says we need that two-state solution. They don't care. What are you expecting from them? They don't care. But how does that affect us? We've already looked a bit with George Galloway, how we've imported these foreign conflicts over here. How does that affect us? How does it even affect our MPs? Well, they're in danger. They're in danger and they know it because if they go... If they go one way, they'll have international organizations like the ADL calling them anti-Semites. And if they go the other way, they'll have actual... Islamists on their front door attempting to firebomb them, potentially. You get the population you deserve, I suppose. You imported them. Which is worse. We didn't want to do that. We didn't vote on this. Uh, You've imported a a hostile population to cynically win votes, basically. And now they're holding you almost hostage, I suppose. Yeah, so the Home Office has said that they're doing a £31 million fund to give every lawmaker a dedicated named police contact and provide money for those facing threats to pay for private security protection, which will, of course, be coming from our tax money. So I'm glad that, once again, who's footing the bill for all of the mistakes that Parliament constantly makes? We do. That's fun. They point out a few of the uh, actual attacks that have gone on. They point to Joe Cox. Should we just buy them the Isle of Wight so they, they can go live on that with a big moat in between the UK and then they don't have to deal with us? Yeah, there you go. Mm. Sorted. And we don't have to deal with them. David Amos, they point to uh, Rishi Sunak suspended Lee Anderson for saying that Sadiq Khan was controlled by Islamists. They also... <laughs> My bodyguards say you're a bad man, Lee Anderson. <laughs> Just... <laughs> and then they also point out Mike Freer, whose own offices were recently firebombed as well for his support of Israel. So once again... But it's the far right, right? All of these... Yeah, well, well, yeah, of course, they want to censor the internet more, which seems very, very targeted and suspicious. The MPs consistently basically making the situation worse in England constantly and then using that as a pretext for clamping down on our ability well, to speak about Well, there have been it. lots of cases of Muslim violence. It's been blamed on everything but Islam. Like uh, There were people saying it was misogyny. There were people saying, oh, it's, it's Andrew Tate. It, it's, that's the problem. It's emails. It's, it's, it's nasty words on Twitter. It's, it's live chat with Microsoft, Word, with Microsoft <laughs> email. That's what it is. <laughs> Outlook, we're coming for you. Yeah, and, and through all this, as we've mentioned, 
the issue, the situation in Israel is carrying on. Netanyahu doesn't care. And there are going to be hundreds of thousands of refugees that neither Egypt nor Jordan nor basically anybody in the Middle East is going to want to take. So where are they going to go? And that's one of my big concerns about this, which is this is going to create another refugee crisis, as all the wars in the Middle East do. And what happens? Where are Israel going to send them to? Well, there was this recent report from uh, Haaretz and some other Israeli news uh, news, um, outlets saying that uh, former US Jewish spy Jonathan Pollard says, move them to Ireland. Move them to Ireland. So Jonathan Pollard, who spent 30 years in an American prison for spying for Israel, spoke about far-right national security minister Itamar Ben-Gvir saying he speaks some, he says some pretty wild things sometimes, but he's a man of high emotion. I trust him. I believe his heart is in the right place. Bear in mind, we've also had uh, Financial Times articles from uh, members of the Knesset, uh, members of Mossad, all basically saying the same thing, pointing the refugees that are going to be made these, in Europe's direction. These guys are a terror threat, so they should be in Europe. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you very much. I for mean, that. what what connection does Ireland have to gut? Well, I suppose. Well, let me um, let me give oh, you the, let me give you yeah, the quote. He says Pollard, who's never been shy about sharing his right wing views, and you know, respect to him for caring about his own people and being a nationalist for his own people, even if he was spying on the U.S. for them, or at least exchanging intelligence details. With, uh, with Israel when he was living in the US. So he was a naval intelligence analyst, I believe it was. And he sent, uh, he gave over 800 documents and 1,500 messages that were classified in his department to Israel because they were looking for information on Syria and some of their neighbor, uh, neighboring countries so that they could get information from them. It's almost like people with dual passports are a national security threat if they're in position. Well, that's, well. that's something interesting, which is that when he came back to Israel, a lot of people were very annoyed about it in Israel because they were saying, listen, this guy, if we celebrate this guy, if we give him a hero's welcome, which they did, here's him being greeted off his private airplane when he got to Israel by Netanyahu personally, uh, which looks great, which looks great. A load of Israelis were saying, listen, guys, this makes that whole dual loyalty allegation that we get sometimes if, for American Jews and British Jews, this actually gives credit to those allegations. So maybe we shouldn't be celebrating this guy in the way that we are, um, which, you know, I, I, th- I think that's a fair concern. That's a genuinely fair concern because not everybody uh, who is of Jewish faith or ethnicity is going to be like a Jonathan Pollard. Some of them are actually going to be loyal to their, their home countries, mm-hmm. uh, you could say. But his, his statements were saying that... Well, the uh, reason people hate dual citizenship. Yeah. Hmm. His statements were, I say that we move the resident Arab population out of uh, Gaza I don't care where they go. My preference is for Ireland. I think the Irish deserve it. Irish MP Richard Boyd Barrett has even donned a kefir. So what we're actually doing by having imported all of this rubbish into the West and then having politicians, probably like George Galloway, actively supporting it, is that guys like Pollard in Israel are going, well, they want them so much. They love their Muslims over there. They love their Islamists. So let's send them that way. Part of the reason that they've singled out... um... Ireland here is that Ireland has been one of the most vocal nations in support of Palestine. The, the IRA are a bit guilty of this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> but the thing, birds the thing of a is feather stick together. Don't we've, they? Import, we've imported this, and it actually gives credence to these kinds of but, arguments as mm. well. Just because the IRA did a dumb thing doesn't mean the people of Ireland deserve it. No, I, so. I, I know, I know. It's ridiculous. And um, once again, Pollard, he's in with Ben Gavir. 
who, if I uh, remind myself, is the national security minister for Israel. And he also has personal relationship with Netanyahu, who uh, asked Pollard to join him on a particular political ticket in 2021. He declined the offer. I think whatever vote it was, Netanyahu didn't win. But still, he's <laughs> all of the people calling for this, saying, oh, we should move them over into Europe, are pretty influential people for the most part. And, and to be fair, once again, I don't blame them for doing this. These people are nationalists for the nation that they see as their homeland. And for everything that you can criticize Israel for at the moment, I've got to respect the fact that they know what their interests are, they know who their people are, and they look after their own. What country in the West right now, be it America, France, Britain, what, what's, what country can say the same? None, really. Maybe it used to kind of be Poland for a little while. You've got some Eastern European countries. Maybe that... Hungary. Mm. Maybe Hungary. Belarus. We, we it's in the Russosphere, though, isn't it? We're putting Hungary in Western Europe now. Yeah, I suppose well, they're not it's Western the European. It's, it's the closest. Yeah, they are I can at least think. European. It's, it's west of Israel, right? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Everywhere is, depending on where your perspective starts. Yeah. Oh, they're in the Eurovision Song Contest, aren't they? So, are, are they really? Yeah, I think Israel were in it. Uh, yes, are famous they? European country. Well, Australia were in it. Remember that? I, well, I mean, there's plenty of people of European descent. In Australia, yeah. at least. Well, in Israel. I mean, you know, oh, right, lots, yeah. lots of like Polish yeah, and I, Russian Yeah, I just Jews. wish we had the same mindset. That's the fundamental problem. Yeah. Uh, so I thought I'd give an update on that and just remind everybody that everything that's going on right now was completely avoidable. And uh, we're living through it. So this is the third segment of Friday. So I thought we'd have some fun. At least, um, by the way, third segment on Friday at time of recording. I don't know where this is going to go out and, and when, but I'm going to be talking about a, a weird host of things. So first of all, a Nashville hardcore band. Second of all, some alcoholism. Um, what drugging a man do with estrogen does, as well as a plan to trans Hitler. We can still get him, boys. <laughs> um, We're sending estrogen to... This, this to, all ties uh... together quite nicely, but um, I just wanted to highlight the, the chaos of what I'm about to talk about for We're, my last segment. John's still um, pulling some yeah, of it yeah. up, I think. Are we sending estrogen to Argentina as we speak right now? Are we speaking with Malay <laughs> about this? Have you located him yet? Yeah, Malay has been <laughs> dosing people with estrogen, the descendants of the we'll formal... We'll get eventually. <laughs> <laughs> We've been sending estrogen to the moon, and uh, we haven't, still haven't got him yet. No, um, I think the, uh, the segment is put together now. So... I'm going to read this message, and hopefully you can start to piece together what's going on here. So, it is as follows. We have decided to part ways with our vocalist, Diego, due to an admission of a very disturbing and concerning behavior towards one of our band members and their partner. He's admitted to being obsessed with said partner and has been attempting to sabotage their relationship by cutting pre-workout. He frequently gifts from his job with high amounts of estrogen in them. He has been attempting to force a transition onto him for the last five months in hopes that it would give him the opportunity to swoop in once he looks stronger and more manly in comparison. Now, this is a, an incredibly evil thing to do. I'm laughing about it. Like the actuality the of doing this to someone. You'll have to is, explain this to me. So there's, there's this powder called pre workout. Yes. And he's lacing his powder with estrogen. Yeah. Yes. Basically, pre-workout is just loads of caffeine, like four or five coffees in one go. 
uh, and it gets you pumped up to go to the gym. I, I take it in the mornings. All right. Um, and you, it gets you really pumped up. So if he's just been sneaking a bit of estrogen in there, you wouldn't know because most of it's flavored anyway. I don't. Mm-hmm. I doubt estrogen has a flavor. We'll be getting onto that. Don't worry. Yeah. I love I love this next part as well. The bracket. Stupid caveman mindset that makes zero sense. This is where I have to disagree <laughs> somewhat with these guys. Because if you were all... Because women have never in history been known to be attracted to men who are manly. They're have a, they? They're a Tennessee hardcore band, though. Hardcore is, as, as I'm sure you'll be able to explain better than I, it's a, a genre of heavy metal music, isn't it? And, and, and punk, yeah. And punk. And of course, punks are not known for being, uh, you know, right wing necessarily. A lot of them can be quite very, left-wing. very, very leftist. Yes, and that might be why they're saying that. Yeah, sort of no, thing. I can, I can assume that. But this is truly quite evil. Yes, it is. Um, there, there's an archetype of of male um, straight sexuality known as the sneaky effer. This and is this is a new iteration of it. This is like the the latest iteration because in say cuttlefish. The males pretend to be females by curling up their um, tentacles and they imitate them. And so when a larger male is um, sort of chasing other females, it will sneakily breed with the females that it has mm. under the nose of... Yeah, I like to think this is an origin story for a truly evil Batman villain. Mm-hmm. What would we call him? Would we call him the Transer? He, he, try, he, he comes in, tries to... <laughs> this is his modus the operandi. The dosa, yeah, I like that. <laughs> this is so evil and genius. Because <laughs> how would you know? I mean, they mention here they had to spend thousands of dollars in medical bills, but then they still didn't know. You're admiring it, Callum? I've been wondering well, why I've been developing that's, breasts. That's, that's where a lot of the evil comes from. The fact that obviously this is creating physiological and psychological changes on this guy that he didn't realize why it was happening, what was going on, and he's been spending thousands of dollars trying to solve it. Yeah, we'll be uh, getting into some more details soon. Sorry, sorry. but they didn't even know after going and doing the medical test. They say the only reason they really know is because Diego admitted it because he was too intoxicated. Mm -hmm. Imagine getting drunk and admitting that. Oh, by the way, bro, (laughs) you'll never guess what. I've been transing you, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, bro, (laughs) you're such a joker, bro. (laughs) It's just a practical joke. It's just a prank, bro. (laughs) I've just been transing you. No, it carries on to say the tampering has caused confusion and thousands of dollars in medical bills. Um, is, is it, it's worth mentioning that this is a very expensive thing to do to someone. I mean, unlike some people in some debates that can't be discussed on certain platforms. I would um, just like to highlight that the line that you hear from activists is that, in fact, this is an easily reversible treatment. Ah, never mind then. That, that wouldn't be just a prank like this. Yeah, it was just a prank. To if, be we're to fair, take, if we're to take the, the establishment line, there's no problem because you just come off it and a, a few weeks later, you're back to normal. No to way. be fair, out of all of the list of potential things that could be wrong with you, you don't necessarily suspect that someone's dosing you with estrogen. It's the last That's thing you think because of. Because a lot of the money is <laughs> yeah. probably going on testing to find out what the problem is. Have you been eating a lot of cereals or something? <laughs> <laughs> so it carries on to say we would not um, know any of this unless Diego had gotten way too intoxicated and ousted himself and then... Uh, stated in an admission to all of this via text, there are many more disgusting details that have been left out for the sake of privacy and general censorship, what, what, which is a weird turn of phrase. What, I wonder what those extra disgusting details, what, like five months in, he starts to see that it's working on his bro, and then he's he like... started hitting on him. Yeah, actually, you know what? Forget her. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I've created a monster. <laughs> sexy, sexy monster. Oh, no. 
<laughs> no, I feel very sorry for the guy. I do feel guy. bad for the guy. But I also feel kind of bad for laughing as well. Um, well, what so, are you meant to do? That's just mental. Yeah, it's horrible, isn't this it? Is, this is the world that modernity has brought us. So it carries on to say, as Die- uh, for Diego's response, it cannot be further from the truth on the supplement side of things. The only sealed products he would provide were proteins, but the other products were always unsealed because they were tossed at his job if they couldn't sell it, hence why it was free. He also has easy access to steroids and hormones because of his gym practices. I'm going to be uh, seeing an endocrinologist over the next few months to track my hormonal fluctuations to see if my estrogen levels are extremely heightened and go back to normal over time, which I would presume they would. Um, Here's hoping anyway. Um, I have had physical changes from the hormones besides stomach ulcers, which sounds horrendous, weight loss and muscle fatigue that I will not get into, as well as um, notable mental changes. I will also be getting um, the last batch of pre-workout. He gave me tested for estrogen. I have about two to three full cups of it left. Just throw it. No, he wants to test it so he can prove it. Oh, so then, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's court of law, right? I, I imagine that. I, 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 for some reason, I was thinking that he was like looking at it going, is this safe? <laughs> is this safe? <laughs> Pre-workout's not that expensive. Yeah. He will not pass off um, what he admitted to as a joke or confusion, even in his state of drunkenness. What he did was disgusting and had an immense negative effect on my life, which I don't doubt it has. And uh, I actually managed to find a screenshot. And this is shared on the band's Instagram story. I don't use Instagram, so I don't know. So maybe it's not, but it looks right. Um, and I think what they're using as evidence of admittance is this text in the bottom right-hand corner there. I was really drunk and told Six, which is the guy who was getting estrogened, um, and his fiance that I was obsessed with her and had a deep hatred for Six and gave Six estrogen to get the edge up on him. Um, but, and that right. was him explaining bands, why he got kicked out of the band. Bands stealing each other's girlfriends, bandmates stealing each other's girlfriends in scummy ways is not is not a new thing. Eric what, Clapton and uh, yeah, yeah, and George Harrison. Yeah. Uh, one of my what well least favorite but most notorious examples I can think of. Do you like Guns N' Roses? Yeah, of course. Do you like the song Rocket Queen? I don't like the the clips in in it. Yeah, you know what I'm talking yes. about, Callum. So so Guns N' Roses' first album is a classic. The last song on it is called Rocket Queen, and in the middle there's a big break where you start to hear a man and a woman moaning. It's completely unnecessary and honestly takes away from the song a little bit as far as I'm concerned. It certainly does. Because yeah. it's a really good song. Other than it is, that. Yeah. Um, those clips are, they decided they wanted the sound of people having sex in the middle of the song for some reason, just on the day. Axl Rose, the singer, um, was there and he was like, oh, who's here I could have sex with? I know, the drummer's girlfriend. And the drummer wasn't there. So that's the sound of Axl Rose having oh. sex with the drummer's girlfriend, who he then screwed out of a load of money on royalties and kicked out of the band a few years after. To be fair, the royalty angle of moaning is not really a job, is it? No, no, no. He screwed the <laughs> no. drummer oh, out right. of royalties. <laughs> the drummer wasn't complaining because his girlfriend should have been getting royalties for the moaning. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my cut, Axl? <laughs> I was going to say... <laughs> <laughs> Axel Rose screws your girlfriend. Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> hey, if it pays out. <laughs> yeah, so that's a really scummy, uh, scummy way of going about things. Uh, but this takes lo- the cake. I'm learning that the music kids, some of them are the worst humans on the planet. But me and yeah. Harry play music. Yeah, but we're the good ones. That's well, true. I'm. I don't know about you. <laughs> what? Hey, <laughs> we worked together long enough. Don't throw him under the <laughs> just bus. Don't, just. Ugh, ugh. <laughs> 
I feel like Sorry, you... but like, what is this? I mean, that example is, I don't know if that's more horrific, frankly. But it's the fact that you, every time you want to listen to a really good yeah. song, you've got to hear it. Imagine being the drummer. I mean, you're in Playing the it live. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're around, a, you're around a pub, you know, you're trying to forget, and someone puts the song on. You know, I, this I, is I th- the sound of you getting cucked. I, I think, oh, God. Sure, like, this might be, hopefully, I've got my fingers crossed, this might be reversible. I think from what you've highlighted there, I think the Guns N' Roses version is more evil. Just by slightly edges it out. It's, it's more public, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, this is pretty public now. Well, it is, but only because they're exposing the guy for being a sneaky can we, bastard. Can we go back to talk about Hamas? That was... That was <laughs> <laughs> we need to go back to something wholesome. Yeah. This was meant to be fun for you, Callum. I'm not meant to be blackpilling you. That's so evil, though. It is evil. Do you want to have a look at the, uh, the lady who is trying to win over? There she is. And that is the, the, the boyfriend, it. or the, the, I think they're fiancés. Dude, I, th- I think he could have the most beautiful woman in the world on his arm. It's still not worth it. I'm not justifying it. No, no, no. I'm oh. saying to Callum. Oh, I, was, right. I was trying to justify it. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> Callum was like, well, if she was really fit, though. I'm pretty sure there's a cow in a field missing its uh, nose ring there as well, because that is huge. What, that's his? Like, that's a, a big Well, we've got, a, we've got an after picture of him, haven't we? we I if, think so, yeah. Scroll down here. Oh, the well, soy face. Um, yeah, he's pulling soy face. That was a that was probably the side effect. Um, um, yeah, there he is. This must be a few months into it, I would assume, because he looks—he yeah. looks a bit more feminine here. He has changed, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, I think we're, we're making more the images there. Yeah, there was an image that they uploaded. They've got matching hair. Oh, um, no, uh, there was an an image. Wait, what somewhere. were the Daily Mail comments at the bottom there? People <laughs> but, just saying what? <laughs> what? I think they're complaining about the nose rings. Yes, but that's the one thing that they're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, the estrogen might be thing, but come on, guys. Nose ring. The average Daily Mail reader, they don't, they don't care about the, the stealing the woman. They're good, proper, working-class English fellows that care about the snot rings, you know. The, the generation of aesthetics. They're probably Those are all American tats. comments as well. Oh, they re- oh yes, yeah. they are. Oh, yeah. I, I met, Pleasant I'm wrong. Sid from Pleasant Valley. <laughs> Can't be that pleasant. Anyway, um, I wanted to look more into what it actually does to a person because I was curious because obviously they talked about some of the visual effects. Not, don't look at me like that. I'm not going to do it. I'm not doing any powder. That's for Alan, don't accept any drinks from Josh. Okay. (laughs) I don't share my white powder with anyone, all right, Callum. All right. So you think it's fine. Um, (laughs) Don't say that's true. (laughs) That was a joke. (laughs) I don't believe in that. He's giving out free stuff. Um, So yeah, where, where was I before I had to clear my name? So, Estrogen actually plays a role in normal male functioning. Like men and women both have estrogen, both have testosterone, and they play important functions. And I learned this researching this story. So apparently um, in a man's body, as long as it's a normal level of estrogen, it ensures that muscle mass is gained in a process, in a, a, a process sorry, in a correct way. It preserves bone strength. It maintains a stable nervous system and emotional stability. Um, of course, if it's thrown out of balance by taking more, these things are going to then be out of whack, right? Um, It maintains the correct metabolism. Um, It um, prevents the development of muscle and organ hypoxia, um, prevention of development of diseases and of the cardiovascular system. It maintains the normal appearance of the skin and encourages the production of serotonin, which is quite important because, of course, serotonin makes you feel good. So anything that messes with that balance is going to have interference with all of these different things. And uh, it seems to be quite all-encompassing. It affects your psychology and your physiology. 
to quite a significant degree, which is kind of unsurprising. So then I went digging to see what the impact of high estrogen in men is, because there are ways that this can happen to men that are purely medical and not sort of criminal, if you will. So apparently, one of the main ones is infertility, which is a pretty horrible thing to do to someone if you're doing it deliberately. Um, then there's gyno, uh, gynecomastia, okay, which is uh, what happens to uh, that guy in Fight Club. Yes. It can also, interestingly enough, uh, gynecomastia can also happen if you're taking too many steroids. That's true. If it, you up your testosterone too much, the body produces too much estrogen to compensate. Like, you get a big pair of breasts. In the uh, 1990s, do you know The Rock, Dwayne Johnson? He had to have surgery for it because he developed gynecomastia as well. And yeah, you grow bitch. So that, that word means that you've got big tits. It means you've got bitch tits. It means you're a man with breasts. Um, well, okay. I mean, there's not really Un shocking, is it? That the ones. hormone that they give to people trying to transition to become women makes you grow breasts. Mm -hmm. so, just seeing the next one, ED. Yes, yep. erectile dysfunction. Gives you tits and, and ruins your cock. I think that that one would be the sort of kicker for the fiancé situation, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're not able to get it up, one uh, might start to doubt the, uh, the attraction going on, as well as the physical changes. Uh, that's, that's just caveman brain talking there, Josh. <laughs> To quote, oh, to Jesus, quote the so band. His, his plan wasn't just that I'm going to make him look a bit womanly. Literally, I'm going to stop his cock from working and then, mm -hmm. then he'll grow boobs. It it's, is it's evil. horrible. Yeah. God. And the final one is uh, if the person is growing, it can delay um, the onset of puberty and also make them stunted in their growth as well. So there's lots of horrible things that can be done. And so I, I went... Um, not... Not for anybody <laughs> out there thinking, anybody out there trying to come up with any evil plots, Josh is giving you some ideas. Don't do that. Don't I am that. normally yeah, a don't. source of evil plots, but this is beyond the pale, even for me. All right. I, I respect evil more than most people, but <laughs> this is too far. Yeah. Um, so I went and had a look at what are some sources of um, artificial production of estrogen in men, because I don't want to um, develop breasts or... Uh, lose function down there, or, you know, all of those horrible things that happen. And so I had a little bit of a, a dig, and apparently binge drinking can make you produce um, a large amount of estrogen to the point where it does actually have physiological um, effects on you, like observable ones. And so this has put me right off alcohol, um, although I will be drinking some later in Lad's Hour. But that's beside the point. Well, that's binge drinking, right? So yes. Probably so going mental is, is going if you to... drink quite a lot, these sorts of things are going to happen to you. So if you want to be the most masculine of men, eat steak and don't drink alcohol. Is my mm. answer. I never oh, thought I'd advocate for not drinking alcohol. It's a, in moderation. It's it's a pretty common thing for people who are trying to get into really good shape for say bodybuilding competitions to quit alcohol for the whole mm. time they've practiced. Yeah, and it's not necessarily um, you know anything that new, is it? But um, I also looked at the drinking water. Um, question because you know you hear about hormones in the drinking water and most of the studies don't deny that it's in there but the results seem to suggest that it's not enough to actually have physiological effects at least this one study that i had a look at said it's there but it's within the margin of safety where it's not really going to have that much in the way of observable effects but nevertheless i'm still drinking filtered water because you know there's lots of other things in water that... and it's also coming through the pipes mm -hmm. so i mean in britain we still do have um, some of the cleanest water in the world from the tap. So it could be worse if you're, say, in Flint, Michigan. Now. You're in Flint, Michigan, you're going to have half the periodic table in your system by running the tap. Um, and then finally, 
one of the big ones is dairy. So dairy, supposedly, um, and what it outlines in this study in particular is some of the previous studies, it does a little bit of a literature review, it says that 60 to 80% of estrogen comes from milk and dairy products in Western diets. So the stuff that's actually introduced into your body, the majority of it actually comes from dairy, particularly milk. And so, um, yeah, if you want to be particularly manly, maybe avoiding milk is a good idea, even though it's a good source of calcium. So some milk is still okay. Oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really good source of calcium and I still protein drink milk as yeah, well. Exactly. D dairy and meat products, uh, basically, if you just drink dairy and, uh, and eat meat, you're going to be fine. Have some eggs as well on the side. That's a, a better diet than most. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you don't need to uh, switch out your milk and your protein shake when you've been to the gym for water quite yet, which is also gross. Oh yeah, I hate doing that. Mm -hmm. I've been forced to do it once or twice. Oh, it's so gross. It is. But anyway, enough beating around the bush. Hitler. Um, <laughs> <laughs> here we are. Oh, um, I, can see, I can see the out of context compilation already. I was already leaning into it. So um, apparently in Britain, we had a plan to turn Hitler into a woman. And... Uh, <laughs> This is one of our, our better schemes. Um, no country can be run by a woman. <laughs> well, I'm going like to read from this article, and I, I wanted to look at how was the plan supposed to work first. So British spies figured that if they could lace Hitler's food with estrogen, over time he would become less cruel and aggressive. Ford, I don't know why I'm putting on a bit of a voice for it as well. Ford <laughs> says, this is uh, Brian Ford of Cardiff University, a professor. Um, the idea was to feminize Hitler and make him behave more like his sister, Paula, a mild-mannered secretary. <laughs> <laughs> this is so British. I um, think you should be doing the voice. Because <laughs> frankly, what is the Brits? Are we sure this is a Monty Python yeah. <laughs> Now see here, when we turn him into a bloody woman, he'll stop raging all that war and start picking daisies. <laughs> a bit encouraged by their recent uh, research into the effects of sex hormones in therapy, and I quote here, they were agents who would be able to get it into his food, Ford says, as quoted by the Telegraph, it would be entirely possible. Right, okay. And why didn't they poison him, you say? Hitler used food tasters, so any substance designed to kill him might have provoked a reaction in his tasters. Estrogen, which is tasteless and affects subjects gradually, was thought to be less detectable. Plus, he's only got one ball anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's running on half testosterone there. Um, so I'm going to stop doing that voice just in case people don't understand it outside of Britain. Um, so um, did we put this plan in action? And this is where some of the gold is, like the absolute gold. No, it was just one, one of many harebrained schemes for details in his book. Other strategies, dropping glue on the Nazi troops to stick them to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> what is this Looney Tunes? What a grommet over here. <laughs> this really is. We're just going to glue them in place and they're just going to be stuck there. <laughs> And we tried making a little trail of bits of cheese and they'll follow it <laughs> into a little net where we catch them in. Turns out we only got the mouse battalion. <laughs> this really is dad's army level. <laughs> Apparently we disguised um, bombs in tins of fruit and imported them to Germany. That was one of the plans. Well, Imagine they would see made in Britain and think, hmm, maybe I should be careful opening this. They're, they're, once again, it's bringing cartoonish images to mind. Like he opens it, he explodes in his face. He's not dead, he's just covered in soot like... <laughs> Well, the thing back. Is, <laughs> yeah. in, a, in a tin of fruit, it, the explosive couldn't be that big for the time, right? It would just explode and he'd have a smoothie over his face or something. You've got a whole tin full of explosives, that'd kill you. Well, it'd be a tin, there'd be fruit in the 
if you just ship an explosive, they'd be like, why is this fruit so heavy? <laughs> you're, you're assuming that they're going to put fruit in there. We're like, well, we're British, of course. <laughs> well, we're not going to rip them off. We've got to give them something. That wouldn't be cricket, old chum. <laughs> um, but one of the best of all was the plan to send a 10-foot tall wheel packed with 400 pounds of explosives <laughs> called the Panjara Drum. Um, which was set to be used in an assault on the Normandy coast. So it'd send a great big wheel, presumably across the channel. Just <laughs> <laughs> just like skim it across the channel, so barreling into the Normandy. Send this great big wheel over to France with explosives in it. Uh, presumably, Wiley Coyote got fired after this. Um, we tried building a big wooden horse. <laughs> it's basic. Oh, Germany, that. we're sorry. <laughs> We've got this for you. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently the great big wheel idea was good enough that we built it and tested it and it cost a million pounds in today's a million dollars in today's money which is annoying because it should be in pounds don't tell us it in but dollars. it didn't work I wonder why <laughs> who'd have thought that a great big wheel of explosives sent across the, the English channel <laughs> Herr Hitler Herr Hitler they've sent severe <laughs> very clearly some dairy guys just opened up a wheel of cheese and it's like I have an idea <laughs> But my goodness, um, yes. So it's got in Hemel, They have sense of ear. <laughs> the the Air Führer, the British, they have hit us with the second view. <laughs> <laughs> the estrogen idea was not new. We came up with it. It was us trying to trans Hitler. But they might have given this guy the idea. And uh, the moral of the story is you don't get the girl by trying to drug her fiancé with yes. estrogen. You want to get Hitler's girl? Do it Not, <laughs> don't want Eva Hit Braun. him with a wheel instead. <laughs> get her a wheel of cheese. <laughs> Throw, pack a load of glue into a wheel <laughs> covered in fruits <laughs> and lure them away and glue and put, them in place. And steal this in girl the fruit that way. As well. Yeah, there you go. That's the plan. That is a Lotus Eaters approved dating strategy. <laughs> Uh, please don't do that for legal reasons. I don't want to go to prison. But um, yes, um, that was something that happened. I'm sure you're grateful that I told you about it. <laughs> oh, I am. No comment. That's <laughs> uh, my fury. There's a second review. That was, that was, that was bloody good. <laughs> uh, yeah, boy. Uh, video comments. <laughs> Have you ever thought to yourself, hmm, do you know, I wish my phone charger was sexier. I've never thought. Well, never fear. Oh, thank for God. once again, Finally. Kickstarter has come up with the perfect product just for you. Please Google the following item. For God's sakes, what's going to come with this? Paul, the sexiest smartphone charger on the planet. Is there a particular reason you've not shared it on screen, Sam? <laughs> Is yeah. it going... John, you know what to do. <laughs> I feel I might know where this is going. Uh, a warning to our audience. We what? don't know what's about to pop up. Oh. It may be something rude. Don't put it on screen. Don't. <laughs> don't put it on screen, John. No, no, no. Oh, he's putting it on screen anyway. There we okay. go. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> this is like uh, in The Big Lebowski when he goes to that pornographer's house and he just has loads of statues of naked people everywhere. Oh, yeah. Almost exactly the same design. Is this one for like the Greeks? To be fair, how much is it? Because that is kind of a funny gift. <laughs> <laughs> Merry not... Christmas, Mum. What you know? You're on your own this Christmas, Callum. <laughs> I'm not getting you a present. 
Oh, he didn't this reach... This is what I'm getting. Right, so... He didn't get I know if Callum's giving me anything for Christmas, it's going to be some kind of cock charger. And if Josh <laughs> is giving me anything for Christmas, it's going to be full of estrogen. Hey, at least mine so, has got some more practical Lotus use. Lotus Eater's Christmas is cancelled. Mm-hmm. We're giving him ED. Why not? You know, it could come in handy. Well, how is having ED handy? Why not? <laughs> it, is, it could come in handy. Who knows? What, a really ugly woman you don't want to have sex with? Oh, sorry, lass. <laughs> I've been <laughs> taking all this estrogen, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, at least my cock charger will charge your phone. <laughs> all right, let's go to the next one. Not only are current leaders abusing the state of law, such as Trudeau's use of the Emergencies Act and the absurdity of the Americans rendering Magna Carta in gold when Obama carried out at least one extrajudicial killing of an American citizen, but also legal scholars and educational establishments are eroding the value of history to pick apart and scramble the so-called unwritten constitution. Canada was forced to learn harsh lessons dealing with the family compact, and today's corrupted institutions hinted a future constitutional crisis where political parties and vested interest Groups must be reined in. Oh, fair point. Yeah. I never really know what to say to your comments at this point because you usually just say fensible stuff and it's like, well, they're there. Here, here. Mm-hmm. I tip my invisible hat to you. Let's get the next one. Hey guys, Adam here. Uh, first time sending in a video comment, but I've been watching Carl for like 10 trillion years. <laughs> um, I actually bought his pink anime body pillow. I'll send in a picture of it next time. <laughs> but I wanted to say that I want to see more debates. And I really like the debate between uh, Narinda, Narinda and Carl. Um, we know that facts don't care about your feelings, but feelings don't care about your facts either. So I'm not really as concerned with the logic of the other side, but it's good to see how they think and feel. And so I'd like to see more of that. It was a good case study in the, the depths of human stupidity, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, the, the left, are they really retarded? Episode 500. <laughs> yes. Yeah. To the next one. My expert opinion that yes. <laughs> We've had a whip around the boys and they've come up with a plan. <laughs> <laughs> to the next one. You know, I used to actually have a YouTube channel that I uploaded to regularly, but it took a little bit of effort. Nothing to do with politics or culture, mind you. But it was fun and it helped me in a bad time in my life. And I've just recently started a new one that has to do with uh, pop culture and the things sort of I'm into. After all, I followed Carl from Gamergate. But now I'm thinking, and I have thought, maybe I need to do some politics stuff because, well, sometimes 30-second video. (laughs) Point well made. Mm -hmm. Go follow California Refugee. I mean, he's a good guy. Check him out. I assume his channel is called California Refugee. I would presume so, yeah. Yeah, next one. Hey guys, since I got so many views on my last video, I've done another one on why Hermione Granger is a terrible role model for girls. Go and check it out on my YouTube channel. You can find the link on the webpage. Um, I seem to have forgotten what it was. Callum, help me out here. What was it again? It was uh, www.cscooper.com.uk. <laughs> Let's go to the next one. <laughs> How much is he paying you? Nothing. That's why I get it wrong on purpose. <laughs> All right. So when it comes to the French, their levels of convenience and me and as Americans' level of convenience are heaven and earth. Um, let's take lunch, for example. Uh, everything in America is open during lunch. Uh, we just separate people's work times to, you know, have their breaks. For the French, from 12 to 2, almost every single store is closed unless you're in a big, big city. And certain things are open. Um, 
not something I'm used to. Yeah, the French um, like to go home and actually cook a meal for their lunch, which is probably good because it stops them doing what we do and uh, eating junk at lunchtime because that's all we've got time for. Oh, that's not the end of the show, by the way. Um, <laughs> just, just saying the phrase. Um, you are right. I'm looking back at all the footage of England and the, the pace of life that's changed. Some of that's obviously productivity, but you would have thought as we got more machines to do the stuff for us, mm-hmm. therefore we'd be more productive so we'd have more time. To do we should replace like ourselves with AI. That's what I mean, we should I, do. The French are lazy communists, so it's, it's hard <laughs> to take advice from them. But I mean, a, a friend of mine was um, complaining about the fact that the UK, I mean, most of our stores, at least in the city centres, they close at five, which is when you finish work. So a lot of them close at six these days, or and you get later opening hours. Like in a say in a shopping outlet center, they'll close at like eight o'clock at night. But if you go to the US, I mean, everything's a drive, so everything's open bloody late for us, which for them is normal. Mm. I don't know. I don't well, know. it's nice. It, it forces you to do other things other than be a consumer, doesn't it? Does it? Well, yeah. If you if you, the shops are closed, you can't buy stuff. Yeah, but if they're not open, then I've got to buy the stuff now. <laughs> This could go in circles. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go to the next one. Should anyone visit Athens, I highly recommend its war museum. It's near the center and contains exhibits from the prehistory till the latest war that Greece took part in, which was the Korean War. I've been to Athens and it was great. I, I really enjoyed it. I did a, a full tour of all the history and um, I would recommend it. And it's cheap, so at least uh, if you're from the Northern Hemisphere. All right, so the next one. There are a few social movements left will seriously push in the future, one of which is obviously pedophilia. But there is one that I think has some chances of being pushed to mainstream before it. Orangutan can have IQ of 75, while there are many African nations that have less than average. Obviously, IQ is not only an indicator of intelligence, but orangutans display other complex thinking patterns, so it would not be that hard to make an argument in expanding definition of human. <laughs> Oh my I, god! I do question the methodology here because I I can't. Uh... <laughs> I, I'm wondering when they have tested the IQ of orangutans. Is those uh, tests that they've been given are they normed to humans? I don't think they're taking the human test. If that's what you're asking, yeah, <laughs> clearly. I think that they've probably catered it to their abilities, and if we did that with say African countries, they'd probably score a bit higher as well. I mean, it's not like the orangutans have taken over. Uh, the, in the lands that they come from, although they're you know. Although, not if in you would Africa. like to learn about the stupidest country in the world, that being Equatorial Guinea with an average IQ of fifty-nine, you can check Josh's article that he wrote a few years ago about it. What's that called, Josh? The dumbest country on earth, fifty-nine average IQ, Equatorial Guinea. Next video comment, please. You know, I was thinking recently. We don't actually have a name for the modern Malays. You or I might know it when we see it, but Joe Blow needs a name for a thing before he can see it himself. Progressivism, not affirmative, not a useful name. Wokeism, social justice, certainly indicative of the Marxian vengeance behind the thing, but mm, it's a field agent at best. Even something like the Great Reset of the World Economic Forum, you're really identifying the bow wake rather than the vessel itself. There's almost a certain arcane element to it where once you have the one true name of the thing, suddenly you're sort of granted mastery over it. And I think that's the big problem we have to solve if we're going to beat this thing. Any suggestions? You should just call it evil. Hey, that's my line. Um, <laughs> no, um, that's a good question. I don't actually have an answer to it because I kind of use the terms interchangeably. 
Um, At this point, I hate the word woke, even though I still occasionally use it. I'm trying to get it out of my di uh, dialect. Uh, progressivism, he's right, has no real punch to it. Um, great reset and other such things. Honestly, to any normie, you just sound like a conspiratorial weirdo. Um, so yeah, it is difficult to be able to get a word in there that's actually going to have impact that hasn't been beaten to death at this point. You could go sort of bazza and just call them lefty tossers. Yeah. I mean, something sometimes the simplest is the best. Insults, why not? Let's go to the last one. And I'm very sure that this service is highly in demand. <laughs> Both pets <laughs> and cars together. The Pakistan. <laughs> Do you put the pets in the boot of the car? No, a dog is actually the main vehicle of choice in Pakistan. They ride around on dogs. <laughs> no, no, no. The, the dogs drive the cars to Pakistan. They're better drivers, yeah. So the written comments, and we don't have much time, so we'll, we'll have to probably just do the super chats. Here we go. 25 buckaroos, the shadow band says, thanks for the show, lads. We You're are. welcome. 10 bucks, uh, Sean487 says, finally meeting you guys in person. Thanks to Trudeau's new C63 online hate speech laws, $70,000 uh, $70, fine and life imprisonment. You fellows have committed hate speech violations. I'll see you in the gulag. Well, I suppose you will. I'm never visiting Canada again. I'm talking about <coughs> He also writes in for 10 bucks saying, Mention of it. Canada's extradition laws with the UK is quite extensive with bilateral agreements for you to serve a life sentence in the UK. I'm sure our Canadian feminazi leaders will engage. So they're going to be able to pass in prison for their laws. Yeah, I, I hope not. Well, as long as we're not committing it on their territory, I'm sure. But does that mean that we would just have to shut down in Canada? I love the idea you turn up in Canada and you just shout out something like, men exist. Just, All right, come on, come on. Life Dude on. puts on his armband, comes and gets you personally. Yeah. But sincerely, I mean, good luck to the Canadians because I read that thing and it's mm. horrific. So it's not something to just laugh at, but you should laugh at it. Right, Thread and Ort says for 20 bucks, some of us want politics of Ghost in the Shell. What's that? A movie? I know about this. I think I've, I have seen it before. He um, says, most would prefer Carl and Callum, but anyone Harry can rope into should make for a good discussion. Enjoy yourself, Harry. It's a great series. So, I, ha I have been meaning to watch it for a while. Uh, all right. Well, there you go. Uh, Win Pillseeker says, the original Ghost in the Shell anime 1995 movie is an exquisite look at Elon's neural link and their first anime series, Laughing Men, in 2002, is about COVID excellent quality works way before its time. So, there we are. It's an anime series, it turns out. Uh, Thread and for Five Bucks says, we'll be seeing all the girls together next week, right? Jess, Connor, and Carl. Lovely names. <laughs> <laughs> there we are. That's, uh, that's those. We're out of time. We've got lads out to prepare, so we have to end it. I'm terribly sorry, but that's what it is. Uh, back in 30 minutes, go get some tea and biscuits. Bye-bye.